And we are starting a brand new series today called Faith, You've Got to Have It. Faith, you've got to have it. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That we can't even please God without faith. So what is faith? The Bible goes on to say that faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. Wasn't that the powerful message of that video? That you walk out there today, you don't see the stars, but they're there. It's just not night yet. And can I say this to you today? Your greatest revelations of God will come in your darkest moments of life. Your greatest revelation of God will come in the darkest seasons of your life because that's where you see the light the greatest. And I want to talk to you today and help make that video more clear on I can see clearly now. This is part one of a four-part series. We're going to be tag-teaming with Pastor Brad this month, and Pastor Ryan's going to be helping us on some Wednesday nights, and we're just going to go all at you with all of our pastors this month because we believe God's up to something. And and so we're going to tag-team throughout the month, but I want you to come. I want you to bring your friends and get ready because I believe this month is going to be a key month in catapulting many of us into the things that we've been believing and asking God for in our lives. Amen? And so let's go on a ride together. I can see clearly now because without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. Let's go to our text in the book of James. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Anyone besides me going through some stuff over the last year and needed some perseverance? I mean, you just got to hang on when you don't feel anything. You got to believe when you don't see anything happening. And James is speaking to us and said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. And then Proverbs. We see here the scripture that I really want to lean on today. If people can't see, if we can't acknowledge, if we can't see what God is doing, How many has found out that sometimes that's not all easy? Hard to understand. If I can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. And can I tell you, they are. That when we don't understand, when we can't see what God is doing... We stumble all over ourselves. What's going on in my marriage? What's going on in my finances? Why why this health report? Why why this financial report, God? I I make no sense out of this. I, I don't see what you're doing, and when I don't see what God is doing, I stumble all over myself. But when I begin to understand what he's revealing to me, all of a sudden I find myself blessed. And I'm going to help you today through this word. I believe God wants to speak to you and help you begin to see more clearly now and get understanding of what God is doing. So we stop stumbling and we start walking in the blessing and the favor of God. Will you be ready for that right now? All right, let's go. Okay. Because there's a a thing I want to talk to you about and, and it's called timely vision, timely vision. And and let's look at this because the prophet in the Old Testament was known as a seer. They were called seers because they would see into the future. They were prophets. They would declare what was about to come. And Habakkuk was one of those seers. And in his seeing the future, he wrote this little book called Habakkuk. And he starts it off by complaining. Don't we do that often with God? Our prayer starts off, God, if you would, if God, I don't understand, God, I don't get it. 
And the prophet Habakkuk, he starts his book off complaining to God that evil and suffering and persecution is everywhere. And he's complaining to God and going, God, I don't get it. Evil, sin, wickedness, immorality is everywhere. And you're doing absolutely nothing about it. Does that sound familiar? I mean, God, why are you letting all this go on? I don't get it, Habakkuk is saying. And so God responds to Habakkuk's complaint. And here it is. It's in your notes. God says, look at the nations and watch. Just look, Habakkuk. I know it's bad. I know it's evil. I know it's wicked. I want you to just look at the nations and watch. And can I say to you today at Transformation Church, just look at the nations and watch. Look, look at the Middle East. Look at Israel. Look at Iran, China, Syria. Look at ISIS. Look at Hezbollah and Hamas and Al-Qaeda. Look at the Islamic terrorists that's taking place all across the nation, including America. Look, he says, look at the Christians that are being persecuted all over the world. Look, look. And God comes in and he tells the prophet, he says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Be utterly amazed for I am going to do Something he says. God, God says, I've got a plan. He says, I'm going to do something, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. God, God's telling the prophet, look, I know it's evil, I know it's wicked, but get ready because I'm about to do something that is so amazingly big and huge that if you, you wouldn't even believe it if I told you right now. God says, I've got a plan. He said, I'm raising up the Babylonians. And can I share a little secret with you? Guess where the Babylonians are today? Babylonians today is the area known as Iran, Iraq, Syria, and the Middle East. Do you see the prophetic message? He's saying, I, the, these people, he said, these Babylonians... He said that ruthless, impetuous people, which means acting without care or thought, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. You heard of this little organization called ISIS? Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Does that sound familiar today? Look at what he's saying. And so I want to, I want to share something with you. Because what we've got to come and realize today, we, we've got the same thing happening. This was a prophetic statement being made and given to the church. Look at ISIS, Islamic terrorists. U.S. is being publicly mocked and laughed by our enemies. Christians being slaughtered and beheaded and open as a mockery and a challenge to our faith. Planned Parenthood intentionally and methodically taking millions of babies apart limb by limb to preserve body parts to sell on the market while being protected by our political leaders. Islam is promoted. Terrorists are protected. 
Christians are identified as extremists and dangerous. Do we not see the exact same thing that Habakkuk was complaining about taking place right here in America today? But the word of God come to Habakkuk and said, I've got this. Don't, don't worry. I'm doing something in the midst of all of this. I'm doing something. You just can't see it yet. But I'm doing something so big that I can't even tell you right now because if I tell you, you won't even believe it. Can I go ahead and tell you today, God's got this. I said, God's got this. Habakkuk, he responds to God. He says, come on, God. I mean, why in the world do you need to dump all this on us? We already know it's bad. This is why I'm complaining. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm disturbed. And God tells Habakkuk, you know what, God? You need to come down and fix this. And God responds to Habakkuk like this. He says, no, no, no. He said, I've already come one time. I came through the birth. I died, resurrected. I'm not coming again until the rapture of the church. I'm not coming to fix this. I'm going to fix it through you. You're the vessel I'm going to use to fix this, Habakkuk. And can I tell you today, the message hasn't changed. All the wickedness and evil that's going on in society today, God's going to fix it, but he's going to fix it through us. He's trying to get our attention. And so I want us to look at this today because God tells Habakkuk that he says, I've got a plan, and what's going to be done on the earth, it's going to be done through you, Habakkuk. And here's what he gives him. It's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Read it with me. He says, I will climb up into my watchtower, and I will wait. And I will look to see what the Lord will say. Then the Lord gave me this answer. Write down what I revealed to you so you can read it at a glance. I want to share with you, first of all, five practical things that God told Habakkuk that he must do if he's going to prepare himself for that faith journey that's going to allow the presence of God to operate through him and impact the society that God wants to do. And so here they are. The first thing the prophet said is I must withdraw. Put the scripture back up, if you will, James. He said the, the first thing that I want to do, I, I will climb up. He said, I'm going to withdraw. I've got to pull away from everything. I've, I've got to get away from everybody. I've got to get out of the crisis of my marriage for a moment. I, I've got to get out of the place where I'm all messed up in my mind on this emotional thing. I, I've got to pull away from a doctor's report that's negative. I've got to pull away from a counselor's report. I've got to withdraw from everything and isolate myself for a moment so that I can get along with God. Anybody here had a vacation yet? Aren't they wonderful? But they come to an end. But can I tell you, just as much as your physical body needs to vacate, so does your spirit. Your spirit needs a vacation. Even when we go on vacation, my wife will tell you, I vacate spiritually. I, we both do. We get along. We have our time because that's the time not just to get physical rest. It's the time to get spiritual rest and, and to vacate. And I do it daily. I do it every day of my life. I vacate. I get away from this office. I get away from everybody. I get away from my house. I get away from anybody. I go by the water. I go to the woods. I vacate for an hour, hour and a half, and, and I just go away, and I withdraw because without that, I don't have that time with God. Are you with me? The Bible said in Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and there he prayed. Why does God want you to withdraw? Because he wants you to know him. God wants you to get to know him. He wants you to know God. Number two, 
the prophet said, I'm going to withdraw, but after I withdraw, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. Boy, that's hard for Americans. We, we don't know how to wait. We're busy. How you doing today? Busy, man. Busy, busy. How's life? Busy, busy, busy. How you doing, man? Busy, busy, busy. You never hear anybody go, how's it going, bro? Chilling. Just chilling. How's life? Just cool, man. Just chilling. We don't ever hear that because we don't know how to chill. We're busy. And I'm all about being busy, but you need to be productive while you're busy. And we've got to learn how to withdraw. And the prophet says, but then I learned to wait. Very difficult for us today because here's the key. Why does the enemy want you busy all the time? Because hurry is the number one enemy to prayer. Hurry is the number one enemy of prayer. We in the Protestant church, we've been great to criticize the Catholic church because of their Hail Mary. We do the same thing. I mean, we go to prayer meeting and we get down. That left knee hadn't picked to get dust good enough on it, and the right knee's already picked it up. And, well, God, you know, I would stay longer, but life's busy in a hurry. We don't have time, but if you're going to move into a place of faith, you've got to wait on God. You've got to learn that there's time that you've got to set aside to withdraw, and then you wait. The psalmist declared, be still, be still, and know that I am God. What does that mean? Some of you are going to have to get your earphones out. Ooh. And listen, I have them too. I use them every day. I listen to them in worship. I listen to two to three sermons a day, preaching, just feeding my soul. It's a sport to me. It's my hobby. I love it. I love to hear great preaching. I've got great preachers out there. I tune into them every week, every day. I have those things in my ears, but there's a time in your life when you need a breakthrough in your life. You're looking for a miracle in your life that you've got to withdraw from everything and everybody, and you've got to unplug. Some of you are going to have to get rid of your phone. Oh, I feel withdrawals coming already. I felt that. I felt that. You really, Pastor? Really? I'm already shaking. My phone, Pastor? Really? Because here's some of your prayer lives. You're talking to God. Zzz, zzz, zzz. One, excuse me. One might be. A... Okay, Jesus. God's up there going. Come on, really? You got to get away and you got to wait. Wait with Him. The psalmist said, "Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope." It's in him. The third thing he said, and, and this is really, really neat when he talked about that. He said, I'm going to wait quietly. But then he, he says, I want you to go up to the scripture. Get your notes out. It's very important. He says, I will look to see what the Lord will say. I will look to see what the Lord will say. Can I say this? You don't look to see what something's being said. You listen to see. Right? But the prophet said, I'm going to look to see what the Lord has to say. What does that mean? you got to read God's Word. you got to start opening this book and reading this Word and letting the Word be hid in your heart that I won't sin against God. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Your Word guides me every day. Your Word is going to lead me into all truth and all power that the prophet said, I've got to look to hear what he has to say, that I open this book and I begin to allow it to become a very active and real part of my life. Let me say this to some of you today. You need to stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. 
You need to stop looking for God to send you a word through somebody and start reading the word he's already sent you through somebody. And I'm all about the gifts and operations, so don't misunderstand me, but too many of us are looking for an answer through another man rather than looking for it through the word of God. And anytime you receive an answer from another man, it's already been filtered through man's thinking. And you've got to come today and understand the entire church must once again return to the authority of God's word. We've got way too many opinions out there, including the church, when it doesn't matter what we say, if it doesn't line up with this book, this is the authority of God's word. And we've got to come back and look to see what does that word have to say to me in my time of crisis. Where's my breakthrough in the Word? I encourage you to join every one of us. I do it every day. If you don't know where to read, join us. Because every morning, I open up to the Transformation Church website. And it has going through the Bible in one year. And I click on that. And it tells me the scriptures to read that day. There they are. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. And it gives me my scripture. And I read it every day. I have my own Bible study, but that's my daily reading. And I'm reading it with many of you. And we're reading the same thing and it's feeding me the word of God and you'll go through the Bible in a year join us in doing it but you've got to get the word in your heart are you with me and then the fifth the fourth thing the prophet said to do practically is you got to write he said withdraw withdraw get along and then wait Begin to wait on the Lord and then begin to look and see what he's saying to you through his word and as he speaks to you begin to write it down I write daily I write all the time. I'm on my iPhone. I'm on my iPad. I've got a note. I've got right in my vehicle. I've got one by my bed. I mean, thoughts come to me, sermon material, things that God's speaking to my heart. I'm constantly writing. Everybody knows that I'm a hunter. I'm a bow hunter. Just please don't put me on Facebook right now, all right? And uh, I'm a bow hunter, and, and so I hunt. But I'm up 30 foot up a tree. Just wait till October gets here. I'm gone, all right? And I'm up there, but I got that iPad, man. That's where I get more sermon material is in a deer stand. This church don't give me ties because I don't wear them. They don't give me ties and all that kind of stuff. I get Bass Pro gift cards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they, they tell me, Pastor, your best preaching is during hunting season. I go, I'm 30 foot closer to heaven, and I ain't got nothing to do with sitting and listening to God. Man, I'm getting all kind of material up there. I'm jotting it down, and I'll get a sermon series, and I'll shoot it to Brad, and I'll go, Brad, get ready because, man, give me some stuff ready on the screen because we're going to start a series on such and such and he'll shoot me back and go where are you and I'll go 30 foot up a tree don't worry about it get this stuff ready (laughs) what is it man I'm writing it down writing it down why did he say write it down so you don't forget it because you need to come back to it and remind God of what he's promised you you need to come back to it and understand that God wants you to get away He, he wants you to wait He wants you to get in the word and then he's going to begin to speak to you and he wants you to begin to write down the things he's speaking to your heart. And then number five, he wants you to review it. He said, go back to it and look at it with a glance. Just go back and review and remind yourself of what you've written down. Don't give up on your dreams because it hasn't happened yet. Don't give up on it. Go back and review that list of your bucket list of what are the prayer requests that I wrote down? What are the dreams that I wrote down? I'm writing those things down. My wife and I, we, we were going to go to Hawaii this year for our 35th anniversary, and we canceled that because of the condition of my grandson. But we done added to the bucket list, man. We're going on an Alaskan cruise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're going to Alaska on a cruise. Next year, hopefully, that's on my bucket list. It's wrote down. 
and I'm going to review it until it gets a check by it. You know what I'm saying? Done. You got to review. You got to review your hope list. You got to review the things that you're believing God for. Go back and revisit them so that your faith gets restored in your hope. Are you with me today? And so these are practical things that the prophet said I must do in order to get to the spiritual things that I want to talk to you about right now. Here they are real quick. In James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, read it with me, and we're going to go real quick. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And can I say that to you today? God told Habakkuk, I'm going to touch, I'm going to change the nation. I'm going to do something massive and big, but I'm going to do it through you, Habakkuk. And then he speaks to us and he says, I want those of you that are going to persevere. You're going to withdraw. You're going to wait. You're going to get in the words. You're going to write down what I'm speaking to you. You're going to review it daily and let it stay alive in your heart. He says, there's something I'm going to do for you that I want to bless you abundantly in all the areas of your life. How many would love to see excess blessing in spiritual and emotional and physical and financial? How many would like to see all the areas of your life blessed? And why is that important? We can't meet the needs of society if we're the one in need. And God wants us blessed so that he can call my name today and go, there's a task I need done. Go do it. And I'm not sitting over here going, well, God, I would if. If you'd give me some money, I'd do it, God. Nah, he wants you to have excess money now. So you can do it when he calls you. Well, God, if I had some more emotional stuff going on, I could go help them. Now, he wants to heal you emotionally now so that you don't have those hang-ups whenever he calls you to go minister to somebody else. Are you with me here today? He wants to heal you physically so you're not limping around trying to get along. No, he wants you well. He wants to heal you in all areas of your life. He wants you blessed so whenever he calls you, you can go minister to somebody. Come on, let's receive that today. How many is ready for every area of your life to be blessed? And that's what God is saying to us today. And, and here's a story that I want to share with you before we close. It's found in 2 Kings. And this is an example of what the prophet was saying. And he says, so the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Here's three kings, three kings now. They've got this enemy called Moab. And to try to fight him by themselves, they didn't have a chance. So they came together and said, you know what? We'll all team up, three against one, and we'll take care of Moab. And so they put their plan together. And after a roundabout march of seven days... Seven times. Anybody ever heard something already marched around seven times in the Bible? A little place called Jericho. And it worked really good there, didn't it? And so these kings remember Jericho because that's already happened. And they got, remember that story? Well, if it worked for Joshua, I'm sure it'll work for us. And so seven times they marched around the city. It didn't work. Because you can't live today on old moves of God. God only talked to one bush and made it burn. He didn't start a church called the Burning Bush Church. And you can't survive today on old revivals. You got to have a fresh word from God today and a fresh wind of God today. And so they marched around thinking that it was going to work, but it didn't. And it said the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. 
What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? Can I tell you when the world gets desperate and what they have is no longer working, they're going to come back to us, us people that hear from God again. They don't like us now, but they're going to run to us later. An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, What do we have to do with each other? I mean, he's saying, look, you're Democrat, I'm Republican. You're Republican, I'm Democrat. You're black, I'm white. You're white, I'm black. You're poor, I'm rich. You're rich, I'm... We have nothing in common. Why are you coming to me? Why don't you go to your own prophet of your mother? That's what he said is in the Bible. Next verse. Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. We have nothing in common. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Do you hear defeat in their voice? Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't even look at you or even give you notice. But Elisha hears their cry, and he does three things that I want to share with you today. How many of you has got the practical part? We've got to what? Withdraw, wait. Get in the Word, write down what God's speaking, and review it daily. And that prepares us for the spiritual side. And so Elisha hears the cry of these three kings, and there's a drought in the land. There's no water. The animals and the people are dying. They're afraid now that Moab's going to kill all three of them. And they come to the prophet and say, help, get a word from God. And here's Elisha's first response. He said, faith is birthed in God's presence. Your miracle is birth in God's presence because here's the first thing the prophet said to do in 2 Kings 3.15. He spoke to them and he says, but now bring me a harpist. Bring me a harpist. For while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Elisha said, you need a miracle from God? I, I can't just speak it out and make it happen Here's the first thing that we've got to do. We've got to create a presence of God because faith is birthed in God's presence. And he said, bring me a harpist. Elisha understood that what separated him from the rest of the people was the presence of God. And he knew that the harpist helped usher him into God's presence. Is Holly here? Come here and help me, Holly. Holly's my harpist. She's going to help. I'm going to show you something just tangible today. All right? Just play something, Holly. Just sit for a second. She's just going to play. Can you turn her up a little bit? has changed the atmosphere of a room just 20 seconds of the harpist stop Holly here we are play Holly 
You ever done that in the morning time? You get up, your day hadn't started yet, and all of a sudden you just push a button and some worship starts. The whole atmosphere of your room changes because the harpist has entered the room. The anointing, the worship has entered the room. Stop, Holly. Can I tell you today, God's got this. God's got this. God's got you. He's got your back. It's going to be okay. Play Holly. Can I tell you something today, church? God's got this. He's got your back. He's got you in the palm of his hand. You're going to win this thing. But the way you've got to start in stepping into your faith is you got to get into a place of worship that ushers in the anointing of God, the presence of God in your life. And Habakkuk, he understood that. And he said, look, the first thing you've got to do if we're going to win this battle, if we're going to see the miracle come, is we need the presence of God. And to get the presence of God, we need a harpist. We need a worship leader. We need you to come and usher in God's presence. And I want to challenge you today, church, that if you're going to move into this realm of faith that's going to bring miracles, that's going to bring breakthrough in your life, it's not going to come through a kneel-down, get-up type prayer. It's going to come when we get before the presence of God and we wait as a people of God, whether you're by yourself or you're with a multitude of people, and you get that harpist going, you get your worship on, and you begin to worship God, and it ushers in the presence of God that's going to bring an anointing that will destroy the yoke in your life. It's the word. And that's what the prophet did. He did it first. He could have went in there and started going, thus saith the Lord, but that's not what he did. Because this book, as powerful as it is, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. And without the anointing, this book's like a TV guide. It has no power. But when you put the anointing of the Holy Spirit with the word of God, you've got a two-edged sword that can defeat any enemy. And conquer any attack in your life. Are you with me today? Not. And this is what the prophet was saying. The first thing that I must do is get into the presence of God. The second thing he said was, you've got to understand, faith goes from inspiration to participation. The first thing you've got to do is just enter the presence of God through praise and worship. But then you've got to become a part of your miracle. You've got to participate in your breakthrough, you can't just throw it out to God and say, fix this, God. And here's what the prophet did. Here's what Isaiah did. He said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Now, you got to go back and remember, there's a drought in the land. There's no water. They're praying for rain. And they go to the prophet and go, look, we need you to bombard heaven with us for rain, man. We need some water. We need it to rain so our animals and our people can drink. We are dying. We've marched around a city seven times. It didn't work. We need you to bombard heaven, get God's attention, and get us some rain, prophet. You know what the prophet told him? Go dig some ditches. Prophet, maybe you didn't get the memo There's no rain. There's no need of ditches, prophet. We need some rain. Maybe you didn't understand us. No. Prophet said, you've got to participate in your miracle before the miracle comes. Go dig some ditches. And look, here's what what we, we see in the scripture, that they begin to dig some ditches. And, And here's what I want you to understand. Every time God healed someone in the Bible... 
He required them to react before he responded to their prayer. They had to participate in their miracle before their miracle got there. He told the man with a withered hand, stretch out your hand. He told the man that could not walk to get up and pick up your bed and walk. Every time in the Bible there was a healing miracle, the person had to act and participate in the miracle before the healing came. And can I tell you, this is what God is challenging you and I today, is that we, we've got to begin to participate in the miracle that God wants to bring in mind in your life. Your faith must go from inspiration to participation. You must become part of the miracle. Your faith must be associated with action that is motivated by the presence of God that you just experienced in worship. Is this making sense to you? So as I, I, I withdraw, I wait, I get in the Word, I write down what He's speaking to me, I review it daily, I enter the presence of God through worship. He's now going to begin to speak to me and motivate me to get my shovel out and start participating in the miracle that I need in my life. My little grandson, Jabin, many of you know, he's been given a short time to live because of a brain disease. It's been a total, total nightmare for our family, very emotional journey. And, and, and one of the things they tell us is that his body is stiffening up and his joints are freezing up. And, and, and I, I sit there every time, every day I've got him, man. I've got those ankles and I'm working those joints. I've got those knees and I'm, we're, we all are. What are we doing? We're participating in the miracle that we're expecting. We, we hold him up. He can't walk, but he, we not, we're holding him up. What are we doing? We're, we're participating in what we're expecting. And, and you've got to start participating. If your marriage is in trouble, you need to start doing something good to heal it. Well, it got quiet. I just got in some people's business in here, didn't I? You got to participate in the miracle if you want the miracle to come. You got to participate in your finances if you need a blessing. You got to participate in your health if you're going to, to get better. You, you got to do something to get your miracle. And that's why these 21 days of prayer and fasting is so important. What is that? That's a place you can participate. Start participating in your miracle. Number three, and I close with this there is an f- understanding that faith continues regardless of what you see. Faith continues regardless of what is seen. Look what the prophet says in 2 Kings 3, 17, 18, for this is what the Lord says. Now remember, what did he just tell them to do? Dig ditches. And then what's the next word comes out of his mouth? He goes, by the way, I'm glad you got them ditches done, but God told me to tell you, you're not going to see neither wind nor rain. Now that's faith encouraging, isn't it? Just got through digging ditches that made no sense. And now the first thing you're going to tell me after I've dug a ditch, there ain't no rain coming. That was the very reason we dug the ditches, right? But then he says this, you will neither see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. And this is what God was speaking to them. God says, look, look, you you do the right thing. You participate. He says, but there's not going to be any wind and there's going to be no rain. Why did God tell them that first? You know why he threw that in there first? Because we give up too easy. We give up too fast. And so he comes in and tells them, don't give up because you're not going to see rain like you're expecting. 
You're not going to see the miracle like you're expecting it. It's not coming the way you were thinking. You're thinking clouds are going to appear, rain's going to come from the heaven, and you're going to see them and know it's coming. It's not happening like that. But don't worry, I've got something supernatural in the making. Because remember he said earlier, I'm about to do something so big that I can't even tell you because if I told you, you wouldn't believe it anyway. God's saying here, I'm about to do something so big, but it's not going to come through the clouds of the heaven. You dig the ditches, and I'm supernaturally going to fill them up. They're just going to be full of water. The valley, the whole valley is going to be full of water, Jesus said. And he tells them to get in his presence and worship. Dig some ditches and get ready because it's coming. And can I say to you today, some of you need to hear this word from the Lord. Some of you need to understand God wants you to come to this place that you just get into the presence of God in worship and start digging the ditch that you need to dig. Don't go by what you see. Don't go by what your eyes see. But just begin to dig that ditch. Believe in God for your miracle. Dig that ditch and then get ready because your miracle and your breakthrough is coming. You can't go by what you see. You've got to go by the promises that God has given you through His Word. And and I love what Jesus says in the end of that verse. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. This is easy, God said. This ain't nothing. I got this, man. This is all you brought to me with some ditches. You think that's a problem to me? This is easy. You, You can't go by what you see you got to go by what God's already said. And God says, this is easy. And then I love this last part. Oh, and by the way, that Moab guy you were so worried about, I got him taken care of too. That issue that was so haunting you and tormenting you, you were so afraid that you were going to die, that Moab guy, I got him taken care of too. Just let it go. Quit worrying about it. Can I tell you today? This is my two-year-old son's grandson's. This is two-thirds of his medical records. No two-year-old should have that many pages of medical records. It's telling me the negative, 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 negative. I can't go by what I see. I can't go by what I read. I've got to go by what I see and what I read and what he's declared to me. And I've got to be willing to dig a ditch. And believe that God's got something bigger, so big, that if he even told me what he was going to do, I couldn't even believe it. Because it's going to be that supernatural. Come on, can I hear you say amen in here today? And and I'm telling you, it's that same miracle that God is wanting to perform in your life, in your heart, in your family. It's so big, you can't go by what you see. You can't go by what you're seeing. You can't go by what you're looking at. You've got to come to that place that I just withdraw and get with God. I enter His presence with worship. I come into that place that I say, God, I'm desperate and I'm going to get this miracle in this area of my life. I'm digging the ditches, Father. You're going to fill them up with water. The Bible said that those ditches filled with water supernaturally. It didn't come from the sky. It came from the earth. God just filled them up. And I want to tell you, He can do the same thing in your life today. I said, yes, He can. But you know what? you got to have some faith. Faith, you got to have it. And I want to challenge you and myself today that we come back to this place that we believe God for the supernatural. And we enter these 21 days with a heart of expectation, a heart of belief that my breakthrough is coming. 
And I want to ask you today, and we don't ask for people, guests a lot because we don't want people uncomfortable. How many in this room right now, you need a specific breakthrough in your life right now? I mean, your home, your marriage, your finances, your health. You need a breakthrough from God. You, you need a supernatural event. This can't just be a little cloud folding in the heavens. No, I, I need a thunderstorm right now. I need something massive. I need something bigger than I can grasp. I, that's where I'm at right now. Some of us, I've never done a 21-day total water fast. That's what I'm on right now starting today. I don't know if I can do it. Never done it. I've done seven days many times, just water. But I'm, I'm challenged right now. I'm digging ditches, man, because I need my grandson a long time. I, I, I want him here a long, long time. And I've told God, I'll do anything you ask me to do for my grandson. And I'm not just doing it for my grandson. I'm doing it for your needs. I'm doing it for your family. Because I believe we're going to see things that we couldn't even believe happen. We're going to watch God do. That the medical science can't have, say, says can't happen, but we're going to watch it happen. That bankers say can't happen, but we're going to watch God's provision on your family. That doctors say can't be healed, but we're going to watch God heal it. That, that, that therapists and counselors go, your marriage can't be fixed, but we're going to watch God mend it. One already happened today in the first service. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. A family that was in huge crisis and today that didn't happen today it happened this week as we were in prayer but they come to me and for the first time in years they're going on vacation together and they're like they said God's healing our marriage God's putting it together pastor we just want to say thank you and thank the church for praying with us and and it's working we want you to know it's working come on can we give God praise for that right now just say thank you and I just want to say this because I've gone over our time I just want to say this today God's got a miracle from you for you and what he wants you to do is just get in his presence dig a ditch and stop looking at what's wrong and start looking at what's coming because God's got your miracle for you amen you receive God's word today you receive it bow your heads with me please and father I just pray over this body right now I pray over each one Lord God you know the individual needs you know the individual hearts you know the lives today you know the struggles you know the conflicts and Father, I just pray over everyone today that, God, you will come and minister to every need according to your word and by your grace. And, Father, I pray for every hand that was just raised that said, I need a miracle. I need a supernatural breakthrough. Father, I pray for them right now, and I pray, God, that you will show up and do something so big, so amazing as they dig the ditch and they participate, as they enter into your presence, God as they stop looking at what they see negative and they start looking at your word, I pray, God, let supernatural breakthrough come. In Jesus' name. And while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today and I, I, I'm not where I need to be with God. I, I know God's real and I've experienced His presence today, but I know I'm not where I need to be with Him and I just want you to pray for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray a prayer with you today. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up wherever you sit? God bless you. Wow, hands going up all over this building. About 8, 10, 12 hands just raised. I need God in my life today, Pastor. I'm ready for a chance. I'm seeing tears pour down cheeks right now. There's a, there's a move of the Holy Spirit in this room right now in people's lives. God's loving on you. You got a heavenly father that never turned his back on you. Some of you, your natural father did, but your heavenly father never will. I just feel to say that to somebody in here right now. You know what it's like to be neglected and rejected and isolated and left alone. But I want to tell you something. Your Heavenly Father will never, ever leave you alone, ever. He's a friend. He's a father. 
And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. If you raise your hand or did not and you need God, there's probably 12, 14 hands just raised. Pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I have come, I have confessed, I believe, and I now receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's give God thank you for all.